Welcome to the Community Church Podcast, your place to belong. Thanks for taking the time to tune into this week's message. I hope that it blesses and encourages you. Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. I want to share with you a word that God's put on my heart about passion and about encountering God. This is a prayer that, uh, or this is actually a word from the Lord to Solomon when he was dedicating the temple. And this is, the, what the Lord, this is what the Lord spoke to him. And I want you to highlight this. I want you to write beside it if you feel comfortable writing in your Bibles, you know, that this is what God said. This is what God said. This is revealing his desires. If my people, and we all, we know this verse. Most of us have been around church long enough. You know this verse. If my people who are called by my name, meaning you and I belong to him. There's that family. There's that connection. He's our father. You know, and so he's, he's talking about Israel. But remember, we're grafted into that according to Romans. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray. And here's what I want you to highlight. And seek my face. To seek my face. You know, that word for seek here is this idea of reaching out for something intentionally. Right? Like, it's not just haphazard, I just ended up touching it. No, he said, seek my face, meaning his presence, who he is, you know, everything about him. You know, it's just like me grabbing this chair. I intentionally took a hold of it, and I moved it. In the same way, the challenge and the call and the cry of God is that we as a people, this is my desire moving forward. This is his passion. This is what he longs from us. He said, I want you to humble yourself. I want you to pray, and I want you to seek my face. I want you to intentionally reach for my presence. There's something powerful that happens. We'll get to that in a second. I'll give you a couple of examples. But, but it goes on to say, seek my face and turn from your wicked ways. And then listen to the response. Because a lot of times we forget that even though, you know, God is all-encompassing and we just feel like, man, God's promises. There are some promises. There are certain things in God's word where it comes in the, in the form of if you do this, this will happen. And so the only way to guarantee this being unlocked is when we choose to do what he said. Humble yourselves, pray, seek my face, turn from your wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven. Then I will hear from heaven. And I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. There's a response from God. We're going to talk about that response today. But to start, I want you to, uh, uh, again, whether you're in a row or sitting at a table, I have a question for you. Um, what movie or television show do you have a guilty pleasure of watching but you don't want to admit to? Tell someone beside you right now what that movie or that TV show is right now. Go ahead, discuss. What's that TV show or movie that you don't like to admit that you watched it or that you liked it? Because it's not popular or it's one of those B-movies or whatever. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead.
So, uh, anybody want to admit that they watched Bob and Doug McKenzie, The Great White North or whatever? Anybody want to admit that they watched that? Thank you very much. It was the best show ever, man. Like, coo, 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 you know, kind of thing. Like, I know, it's totally Canadian. You're all laughing, but you've seen it. I know you have. See, that's what I'm talking about, right? Somebody shout out a movie that you admit that you watched that you don't like to admit that you watched. You just admitted it. Come on, throw, throw one out. Come on, let's do it. What was that? Come on, do it. Just Godzilla? Which one? Like the, one of the 50? Right? Oh, the new one. Oh, that's good. All right. Okay. Okay, so the reason why I asked that question is because I got thinking about a movie that I don't like to admit that I ever watched. Because it's a chick flick. That means I got in trouble. That means I had to make this up for court or something like that. If I'm watching a chick flick, it's because I, I, I've done something wrong. For sure, for sure, for sure, for sure. Because I don't know about you. I, I actually, to be honest with you, I hate coming into this fall season because I know Hallmark's getting ready to throw out a million <laughs> Christmas movies with the same storyline, different people, different situation. It's the exact same. How many guys know what I'm talking about, right? Right? You know what? We need to sign a petition today, ban all Hallmark Christmas movies. Yeah, that's right, man. That is one thing I would never admit to watching, I'm telling you right now. But anyways, so I remember a few years ago, and the only reason why I'm admitting to this is because there was a quote in the movie that I absolutely grabbed my attention, and it's always resonated inside of my heart, um, and it wasn't sappy, so that was good. Well, I was kind of, it was a sappy situation, but the quote was really good. It, it's, it's good, but it was serendipity. Anybody ever seen serendipity? Any guys saw serendipity that want to admit it with me? Okay, thank you, brother. I appreciate that, man. I, I love his honesty. This is awesome, man. This is good, man. This is good. God's going to be good to you, you know, so for being honest. All the rest of the people that are lying right now, you know, that's a different story. We'll, we'll just give you an opportunity to repent later. But anyways, I mean, I just read a scripture about turn from your wicked ways, and some of you are lying about seeing serendipity. Come on. Jen, you haven't seen it? What? Greg, have you seen it? You're not telling the truth, man. So anyways, so I watched this chick flick with Cora, and, uh, and so, but there was this line in the movie talking about how the Romans never wrote obituaries when someone passed away. They only asked one question. Did you have passion? Did you have passion? So it didn't matter to them that you, you know, were, you know, 95 years old and that you, you know, you were the father of, I don't know, probably back in those days, like 20 kids or whatever, but it didn't matter, right? Like, you know, those things... In our society, does right when you read an obituary, it's like you know they are the they're the son of, and they are the father of, and they're the husband of, and the beloved, and all this kind of stuff, and that makes total sense. But in Roman culture, that didn't matter to them. What mattered to them was the bigger question, which was, did you have a passion? Meaning, what did you live for? What what were you you know what drove you? What what was it about you that that stood out for people? What were you known by? And that's my question this morning. My question is we launch into the fall, especially because we started this year with a, a whole series on seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first. Priority number one in every aspect of our life is still the kingdom of God. That relationship with Jesus. 
And there were some moments with Jesus where he would teach that very principle in, in different ways, especially when it came to relationships with your mother, your father, all that kind of stuff. And he made it very clear, even in those relationships, the priority, as much as that's important, the priority still needs to be Jesus. Like he didn't back down from that teaching. He lived that out. We see that throughout the New Testament. We see that lived out with the apostles and, and the early church. And I wanted to take a moment as we launch into the fall and we get into This Is Us and we highlight some things. And yeah, we're going to talk about serving because that, that is a part of being a follower of Jesus. It, listen, can I just say this? Serving God is not one of those things where like I have to do it you know, in order to love God or to garner love from God. No, 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 you've got love from God. That's not the issue. But you should have such a passion for Jesus that you want to be a part of and partner with him in the ministry of the kingdom of God, whether through your local church or through other avenues, whether it be internally, you know, through a youth ministry, you know, doing kids ministry, doing coffee, all that kind of stuff. You might say to yourself, why? Why is coffee so important? Well, if you're not a coffee drinker, then you don't understand this. But anyways, coffee's a good thing, but it's bigger than coffee. This is about letting people, it's good in first impressions. It's about letting people know you're, you're valued. We care about you. We want you to come, relax. You're in our home. Our greeters. You know, I was saying this to Philly. By the way, shout out to Philly because Philly oversees all of our greeters. I'm going to throw this out because she could use some more people at the front door welcoming people. letting. And I said to Philly, I said, Philly, you know where it starts? It starts with actually talking about the why. Do you want to know why greeting is so important? Because when people come in here, especially people that they're, this is new, they've never been here before, I said, Philly, I want them to experience what we say we are, which is community church, your place to what? Well, that was pretty weak, man. Some of you, I guess, didn't see the bulletin and everything else and the website and whatever. It's your place to what? Belong. Belong. So I said, Philly, I want people who just, the moment they shake your hand, lets people know you are not just welcome here. Man, we're, we're so happy. We are, we're ecstatic. We, we want you to know you're valued. We want you to know you belong regardless of where you are and, sh and you're, you know, where you are in faith. We just want you to know, welcome home. Thank for the one amen, wherever that was. That was good. Come on. You know, you can't, you can't put, listen, everyone will tell you this, man. Vision statements, all that kind of stuff are great. But if you don't actually live them out, they're pointless. They're just words. And we don't want that to be just words. We want that to be everybody's encounter experience. So, yes, you know what? That's important. Pancakes, which, by the way, I got to tell you, the PC Cooking Company just killed that today. I'm just telling you right now, like hands down. How many enjoyed your pigs in a comforter this morning? Come on now. Oh, yeah, 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 listen, just make sure you vote. Just make sure you vote, man. Let's vote. Vote now. Vote now. I'm doing a Dwight Schrute office. Vote now. Vote now. Vote now. Anyways, uh, but listen, man. But listen, even those, just even doing pancakes so that families can come and eat before the service. They don't have to worry about, because, man, every parent knows Sonny already feels busy enough trying to get kids dressed and all that kind of stuff and not have to worry about breakfast to come in and sit down. But listen, then sitting down with others in the body of Christ and just talking about life. 
I've read that somewhere. I think it's in the Bible. Can you check that for me? Like, no. It's all a part of God's plan. So those things matter, just like maintenance around the building and everything else. So, yeah, we're going to give you an opportunity. Yes, I'm gonna, you're going to hear my sales pitch. Absolutely. I shouldn't even have to give you a pitch. Because my passion for Jesus stirs in me in such a way. I know some of you are going, yeah, but you're a pastor, man. Of course it would be. I'm going to tell you right now, long before I was ever a pastor, just being a part of ministry and partnering with Jesus and seeing lives changed and transformed and being there has revolutionized my life and probably the very thing that probably led me to, to hearing the call of God, to be honest with you. Rant over. I'll pick it up in two weeks, so it's good. And I want to put this word passion into perspective because right off the bat, the word passion is defined as something that's intense or it's this driving or this overmastering type of uh, feeling that you have. Like it's beyond your control. It's, it can be defined as ardent affection, love, or a strong liking for or a devotion to some activity, object, or some kind of concept. And the thing about passion is you know when people are passionate about something because they don't hide it. They never hide it. Have you met someone as a passion for something that they're hiding it? You know, like you get around people that love to, you know, maybe they love to work out. You know, I mean, they talk about it all the time. Maybe you, you know, maybe it's, you're like my little girl, Abby, who loves Littlest Pet Shops. And no matter where we go, or even now, she gets online. She's discovered how to get online and find all of the really cool pet shops that she doesn't have. And I'm looking at all of the pet shops that are sitting there, and they're in the corner, and they're piling up over and over and over again. And I'm going, this is crazy but almost every single day my daughter sits down and she's playing she pulls in fact she gets upset when her mother comes down and says you need to clean this up and she's like but mom I just set up the city I just set up all the homes how many how many know what I'm talking about with your kids right you know whether it's G.I. Joe or whatever else or Transformers or whatever and so she gets so passionate about it don't do this mom I'm gonna have to set it all up again tomorrow and every mom in this place goes yeah but I don't want to hurt my feet so clean it up you know? And it drives them. It drives how they live life, how they see life, what they do. There's nothing that gets in the way. There's just this incredible longing and passion. They live it. They breathe it. It's in their life. It's, it's their focus. It's their everything. And, it, and even though there are other things in life that may have a, uh, you know, importance, it's not that they're not important, but their passion. They're just consumed. They're engaged fully in that. So I'll go back to my question. If the Romans were to look at you at the end of your life and they said to you, did you have passion? How would that get answered? What would you be known by? I mean, I want to be known as a, as a dad that's passionate about my family. I want to be known as a guy that's passionate about the Toronto Maple Leafs because that's important. Hopefully they'll win a Stanley Cup so I can actually, like, you know... You know, yeah, anyways, you know, any long-suffering Leaf fan knows what I'm talking about. But, but I want to be known as someone who passionately pursues Jesus. You know, I've made this statement many, many times. Because I think there's a lot of times where guys look at guys in the ministry and they just assume that's why we're in ministry. 
I'm not married to the ministry. I'm, I'm just engaged with Jesus. I just love connecting with Jesus. And I've said this many, many times. Whether I was doing this full time or not, I'd still, I'd still be connecting, doing whatever I can for the kingdom of God. As I love my family, as I cheer on the Toronto Maple Leafs, all those things are important to me. Raptors winning. Hopefully they'll have another championship. Probably not likely. But anyways, it's all good. At least I'm not a Boston Bruins fan. I saw the t-shirt this morning. It didn't escape me there, Grant. But anyways. Man. That's what I want to be known by. And to be honest with you, I think 2 Chronicles, not just 2 Chronicles, I think God wants you to be known by your passion for him. And as we launch into the fall, I want to challenge you. And, I, and I, after Friday night, I was like convinced I had to share this message. I had to share this thought. I had to go after you a little bit today. You know, and, and you know, for those who have been a part of the journey for the last, you know, October will be this, or the end of our second year here at Community Church. You know that I, I, I do. I like to push. I like to prod. I like to challenge but that's because a long time ago, the Lord put on my heart that I would challenge, equip, and release. That's my, that's my personal mission statement as a pastor. I don't want the status quo. I don't want you to have the status quo religious experience because God's not in that. Oh, it got quiet all of a sudden. Absolutely. You really want to experience God? Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 29 says this. If from there you seek the Lord, your God, you will find him if you seek him with all of your heart and with all of your soul. I've always said this. You've heard me say this before. God is the worst hide-and-go-seek player ever because he's just waiting. And his call and his cry to Solomon as they finish the temple. He's like, Solomon, listen to me. This is important. Okay, so you got this building, and I'm going to be in the Ark of the you know, Covenant. The presence is going to be there, but you need to understand. You need to know my heart. You need to understand what I'm saying in this moment, that what really matters is that you humble yourself. That means you push away the pride. You push away all those other things, and you begin to pray, and you seek my face. You notice that prayer and seeking the face of God are two different things. It's about coming into the presence of God. It's about reaching into the presence of God. It's about being intentional in my moments. And we're going to talk about a couple of very intentional moments in the New Testament and how Jesus responded to people seeking his presence as a way of encouragement and as a way of just solidifying what I'm going to share, what I'm sharing with you today to, to just that you know that God loves it. He responds to it. He, he just, and he said it in, in 2 Chronicles 7, 14. If you do this, then I will begin to release my presence. Then I will be right there. And, I, and again, Deuteronomy, if you seek my face with all your heart, with all your soul, you will find me because I'm there. I want to be discovered. I want to be encountered. We talk about this when we paid off the building. We talked about the next vision forward. We talked about establishing the kingdom of God. We talked about expanding the kingdom of God. But we also talked about encountering the kingdom of God. Because that's what makes a difference. 
Because up until these moments that Jesus, you know, began to do ministry on the earth, to be honest with you, we know we've, we encounter, uh, you know, a Jewish nation, an Israelite nation that absolutely had become so religious in their encounter with God. The Pharisees, all that kind of stuff. It was about, you know, praying so that people could see that you're praying. And leaders taking advantage of people for their own good, not for the betterment of the people that they were called to serve. That was the condition. And then all of a sudden Jesus comes in and he flips everything and literally flips tables, by the way. And reminds people of the very word that, the, that God the Father spoke Back to Solomon, and he flips tables because the courts of the temple had now become a place where people are just exchanging things and, and selling things. And he said this was never the intention. The intention of God was this, that this would be a place of prayer, that this would be a place where you encounter him. And Jesus began to flip tables because his righteous anger was so stirred up inside of him, he couldn't take what he saw. Man, my, I'm going to tell you right now, if there is one prayer, is that community church wouldn't be a place where everything else happens except for an encounter with God. I'm telling you, man, the day that that ever happens is the day I walk out the door. I don't want that. And I don't want that for you. And I know, listen, I get it. We're all coming from different backgrounds. I've had a few people ask me if I'm American because they just have never seen a Canadian that gets this excited about some stuff other than hockey. PC, I hear a little bit of American slang. Are you sure you're not American? No, we just live close enough. That's just, just saying. just want Jesus. I want the truth of the New Testament, the work of Jesus to be a reality, not just something that we read about. I want the promises of God, yes and amen. I mean, I, I look at, you know, I look at that situation this week and getting that text and going, that's what I'm talking about. Just believing for this. You know, I think about a passage of scripture that the, the speaker uh, on Friday night at, uh, and if you get a chance, Bray side, just take Highway 5 all, all the way out and get to the very end, turn left, and on the left-hand side, about a kilometer, you'll see Brayside Camp. It's one of our camps. Paul Fraser's there. He's speaking. He's a guy that works for our national office that travels, and he works with church plants and multiplication and and outreach, and we're putting a real focus because as a denomination of fellowship, we have some goals to hit for 2020 in the way of people coming to Jesus because we don't want to become a stagnant movement. We don't want, we want to reverse the decline of church attendance. And you want to know why there, I think there's a decline? My honest opinion, and you can argue with me all you want, you probably won't get me to change my mind on this. It's because we're not encountering Jesus. Because everybody that encountered Jesus, it just drew more crowds. If 
fact, lately I've read a lot of different reports, a lot of different studies, research that talked about how, you know, there was a season in churches, not just Pentecostal churches and whatever, but it was all built on attraction, attraction, attraction. Do you know that, that, that actually those churches are starting to see decline? Do you know the churches that are starting to grow? Statistically, studies are showing it's the churches that are starting to get back to the word of God and they're walking it out. So yeah, if you want vision, that's your vision right there. To encounter God and be the church and watch God do his thing. God will take care of the rest of it, trust me. He'll work it all out. And I love, you know, let me give you two stories today. I didn't want to get deep into this and then we're going to end. I could have told a dozen stories today of moments and encounter with Jesus that were intentional where Jesus responded in a very powerful way. Matthew chapter 5, verse 21 to 43, tells the story of a woman who had a medical issue for 12 years. Now, I'm not going to read all of it, but I will read a portion from verse 24 to verse 34. It says this, that a large crowd, it's up on the screen, followed and pressed around him. And a woman was there who had been the subject of bleeding for 12 years. Just imagine 12 years of suffering. 12 years. And up until this point, nobody has been able to change that situation for her. 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all that she had. And yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. And when she heard about Jesus, I love that. Man, I'm going to tell you something right now. Can I just say this? I, I, my prayer is that when, and I, I was thinking about this on Friday night and I actually prayed into this, that God would so encounter, you, you would so encounter God in your life that you would carry the very presence of Jesus because he lives in you according to scripture. That when people walk into your very presence, they will sense the hope, they will sense the authority, they will sense the power, they will sense the goodness, the grace, the love of God just being around you. Because listen to this. When she had heard about Jesus, she didn't see anything. She just heard. She heard about the testimony. She heard. That's why I debated today because I know there are others in this, church, in this church that are walking through the cancer journey. And it's been tough. It's been a struggle. And I debated telling that story today because I know that there's always that question, well, but man, that's what I want for my life. But it hasn't happened yet. And that's the key word yet. We're believing that God is going to heal you in Jesus' name. But as I sat in my car driving in here today, I'm like, why wouldn't I share this? Because maybe that word would encourage you. Some of you received an email last week for, about Rob Ballamew and, and how, you know, the blood clots and everything else. And that God just absolutely did a miracle inside of his life. And he doesn't have to go through any of the stuff that they were talking about doing. When they walked in the door, he goes, we don't need to do this. Praise God. We celebrate that in Jesus' name. That's a miracle right there. Our community, our society needs to see great miracles. And listen, Jesus said you will do greater things, meaning you will do exponential. What you, what you see me doing, you're going to do these things. And Paul Fraser talked about that. He talked about one of those final moments with the disciples where he said, listen, go into the world and, and preach and baptize people in my name. And, and he said, listen, here's what you're going to be known by. 
said, you're going to be able to handle snakes. You're going to have to, you could drink poison. Like basically saying the protection of God is going to be over your life and you will heal the sick and all these different things. Jesus said it. I'm looking at some people that are not sure that Jesus said it. Like, I, anybody catch that part in the Bible? You know, did you catch that? So if he said it, why can't it happen? Huh. So this woman hears about Jesus. So she comes up from behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak. Now, it's a crowd. You know, I sat in the drive-thru yesterday. Actually, rephrase that. I went to the one Tim Hortons over by Sobeys, and I saw the line. I said, forget this. I'm not waiting around for that. So I drove all the way over to Parkside. Only to get to Parkside, and the line was a lot longer. But anyways, it was a crowd. In our culture today, a crowd would be awesome, but most likely our impatience as a culture would say, ah, forget it. I'll do it later. There's a crowd. I don't want to wait around. You know? It's like going down to celebrate the Raptors championship. I debated going down, and I thought, I don't want to hang around crowds. I'll get home at like 2 a.m. in the morning, and Man, at this age, even though I look this good, I, I need my beauty sleep. I'm just saying, right, Alan? I'm just saying, man. You get it, right? I get it, right? Jen's not convinced, but anyways, it's all right. It's all good. Man, every time we see a crowd, man, nobody wants to wait around anymore. And yet the scripture says that she pressed through the crowd. Why? Well, obviously, part of it was because she had an issue. And she had gone through so many doctors and so through it. She, she tried every avenue and none of it worked. But what really drove her? She heard about Jesus. And she heard about this person who was healing people. And setting people, in fact, I think the story just before this is the, is the releasing of a, of a demonic possessed, demonically possessed man. And she pressed through the crowd. She touched just the edge of his cloak. And she thought to herself, if I just touch his clothes just a little bit, I will be healed. Talk about faith. She didn't need Jesus to say anything. She just needed to touch him, just, even just his clothes. And immediately the scripture says her bleeding stopped. After 12 years, everything completely changed. In one moment, one act, one passion, she pressed through the crowd. She got to Jesus, just touched the, just a little part, just a corner of his clothing. And she felt it in her body, and she was freed from her suffering you need to highlight that she was freed she was free she was free and at once Jesus realized that the power had gone out for him that's pretty impressive 
you know, Jesus is walking among a crowd. I'm sure there's a lot of people touching him, bumping up against him. But listen, he didn't notice that. But what he did notice was that somebody sought him out. He did exactly what the scripture says, seek my face, meaning there was an intentional moment where the woman just pressed to the crowd and she just kept pressing till she touched. She was going after something. We need to go after something today. We need to go after something tomorrow. It's the presence of God because he responds to that. And instantly he turns around. He's like, man, this is crazy. Who touched my clothes? And they looked at Jesus and said, come on, you see the people crowding around you. And yet you ask who touched me? This is a ridiculous question, Jesus. But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. And then the woman Knowing that it happened to her, she came and she fell at his feet and she was trembling. She was so afraid. She told the whole truth and he looked at her and he said, daughter, your faith, your step, your action, your choice, your desiring to press through the crowd, that's brought healing to you. So go in peace and be freed from your suffering. Come on, man. Be strong, proceed. A friend reminded me this week that worship wins wars because I was going through something. The presence of God changes things. Let me give you one more. Actually, you know what? I'm going to do this. Uh, JJ and Rebecca, do you want to come back? There's another story. It just so happened that both of these stories are connected to women. But Luke chapter 7, verse 36 to 50, tells the story of a woman who was a prostitute. And Jesus was at a party. He was at the party of a religious leader. And when Jesus came to the party, none of the customary things that you would do to an honored guest had happened. Didn't clean his feet, didn't do anything. They treated Jesus, even though he was a rabbi, they treated him like he wasn't. And so Jesus is in this party. And there was a guy with a guitar that, uh, you know, hit his stand there. Thanks for bringing that to light, JJ. I appreciate that. That was good, man. That was good. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Rebecca's going rookie. Um, anyways, it's all good. Have you ever walked into a room? When you know that everybody's watching you, it feels awkward. And this woman, uninvited, walks into the room because Jesus was there. She crashed the party. that pressed through the crowd made time for Jesus. She, there was this strong pursuit, but what I love about the pursuit of this woman was she was unashamed. She knew who she was, and everybody in the room knew who she was. And knowing that everybody would look at her when she walked inside the room, I don't know if she walked in with her head down. I have this picture of her not even looking at anybody else, but just walking towards 
Jesus, but she crashed the party. She was willing to endure. I'm probably the whispers. I can't believe. I can't believe she walked inside Simon's house like we all know that she's a prostitute. She's she's an outcast. She's a sinner. Like and she just kept walking. And then all of a sudden, probably there's a few people going, okay, listen, it's bad enough she walked inside the house, but now she's approaching Jesus. And, and I know we didn't treat Jesus like he's supposed to, but he is a rabbi. And like for him to even be close to her right now is going to make him ceremonially unclean. And he's got to go through this whole process. And like the audacity of this woman. through the crowd with everybody looking at her there's probably some snickers there's probably some like oh, I can't believe this and all those looks of shame and guilt and condemnation but she didn't care because all she could see was Jesus She knew who she was, but she wasn't ashamed because she knew why she was there. Verse 36 to 39 begins to tell that story. This woman who had lived this sinful life, she learned that Jesus, she heard. <laughs> I want Flamborough, I want water down to hear about Jesus because he changes lives. He sets them in the right course, even for the people that think, hey, I've got no, I'm, I'm living a good life, man. I donate. I do all this charity work. All my life is good. My kids are good. Listen, that might be true. You might have everything all set in motion. Here's the one thing you don't have. If you don't have Jesus, you don't have salvation. And you haven't discovered yet that the very thing that you think you have, that you think makes your life good, that you think makes your life comfortable, might very well be true that you are kind of comfortable, but you're not satisfied. And there is something deep inside of you. And you know that there's something missing. Proverbs talks about that. He is placed in the heart of, of, of all mankind, this longing for eternity. There's a gap. And the only one that can satisfy that, his name is Jesus. And this woman who knew she lived a sinful life, she learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. And so she walks in with this alabaster jar of perfume. We're talking about months of wages. Expensive stuff. Man, I could preach for hours on that. I promise you I won't do that tonight, uh, today, but I'm just, you know. And she pours it out on his feet and she begins to weep in his presence wiping his feet with her tears the very thing that Simon didn't do the Pharisee this religious leader he didn't recognize Jesus for who he was in fact chose not to honor him at all he goes on to say that she wiped them with her hair she kissed them and poured perfume on them Reminds you of the passage of scripture it says, How beautiful are the feet of those that bring the good news. Yeah. 
And when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man was really a prophet, he would know who she is, what kind of woman she is. She's a sinner and she's touching him and now he's ceremonially unclean. And Jesus looks at him and says, hey, Simon, you didn't welcome me in your home. But she pressed through the crowd. And with an unashamed, I don't care what anybody sees. When I worship the Lord, I don't care what you all think. When I clap because it's an expression of worship biblically, when I lift my hands because that's an, that's, that's an acceptable, that's an encouraged act of, of, you know, what worship is all about, when I begin to engage God, when I begin to pray, when I begin to seek His face, when I begin to sit and linger in His presence, all those kinds of things, and I just begin to dwell in that. Listen, I don't care what anybody thinks at that moment. I, I always think about King David at that moment where his wife gets all upset because he's coming in and he's dancing like a complete idiot around the presence of God, the Ark of the Covenant, and David looks at him and says, listen, if you think this is bad, I can get even more undignified than this. Why? Because I'm not doing this for you. I'm doing this for the one that I love. I'm doing this for the one that loves me. I'm doing this to the one or for the one that absolutely has saved my life, that I know can rescue me, that can change my life from being a sinner to being a saint, and there's a process in that. I know that there's grace and there's love and there's care. I know that there's hope. I know that there's a power, there's an authority in Jesus, there's something about Jesus, and I'm telling you today, do you have a passion for the presence of Jesus? Because if you do, your determination to press through things with a strong pursuit and an unashamed pursuit, Jesus always responds. And I want God to respond inside this place. I want Him to respond in your situation. I want Him to respond inside of your life. I want you to know the hope that's in Jesus. I want you to know the power that's in Jesus. I want you to know the authority that's in Jesus. I want you to know all of the promises that are yes and amen in Christ Jesus on your life. Not just something that you read about. It's something that you're living out. He's real. He's here. He's our healer. He's, our, he's the lover of our souls. He's not just some figurehead. He's not just some religious deity. He's Jesus. He's the son of the living God. He works through his Holy Spirit. He touches lives. He wants to be found. He wants to be discovered. He wants to respond to faith. He wants to change circumstances. He wants to change the atmosphere. He wants Flamborough, Carlisle, Freelton. He wants people of Waterdown. He wants people in your neighborhood, people that you work with, come to discover him in a real life-giving relationship. That's why we exist. Do you want vision? That's vision. Because if that's not enough for you, you've missed it. Come on. Come on, stand your feet right now. We're going to close. Thanks for listening in to this week's message. Be sure to follow us on all social media to stay updated with everything Community Church. Also check us out at www.communitychurch.ca.